Today I want to uh, speak a message on the on the bride of Christ. And uh, you know, this house is uh, you you really this this father heart. You guys got this thing going right. It, it, it really, you guys are moving forward with a forward a father heart, and you guys are getting healed. And it's been three years since the first time I came here. And I've, I physically can see a healing power of God upon this house. You're getting free. And, and this is key in this hour that we are able to truly be identified as sons and, uh, I, and, I, and, I, and daughters. And, uh, and I really believe you are. I, I, I see it. And just like the testimony, you, you, you've discovered your identity. As a son, as a daughter. And, and this is so important for us to discover who we are. Actually, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Ephesians, he, he prays a prayer for the group at, at Ephesus. In, in chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. And the interesting thing is, the church at Ephesus was a revival center in that hour. I mean, it would be like your house. And it would be a revival, powerful center where the Spirit of the Lord would break in upon the people. I mean, they were, they were the holy rollers. I mean, they were so spirit-filled. Yet Paul makes a statement and as he prays for them. He says, I'm praying for you. That you might get a revelation of who God is. That you might get a revelation of the knowledge of God. And not only that... Who you are. And he was really fighting this battle. He wanted them to know who they are in Christ Jesus. And so he's praying. He prayed this prayer. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I think that this is so key upon his heart in the revival center that we might know who we really are. And then he goes over to chapter 5. I want you to turn with me in chapter 5. In the book of Ephesians. And while you're turning there, I just want to encourage you uh, from, the, from Acts 17, verse 11. And uh, it's Paul. He's speaking. Uh, he goes into a, a house, a, a temple, a synagogue with, with a group of Jews in the city of Berea. And, uh, and it says that they received his word. They held on to his word. They, they eat, they, they grabbed the word that he spoke. But then he says they went to the word, to the Bible, to the scriptures, to prove what he actually said. And today I'm going to be giving you a lot of scripture. And I want you to write it down. But I don't want you to take me for my word. I want you to be a good Berean. And I want you to prove to yourself what I'm saying. Because it's only as you prove to yourself will you actually believe it. I mean, you can look at me and say, well, Rodney said that. But you don't take ownership of that. And I'm, I'm saying today, as you read God's Word, as we talk about it, take it. Go find out if I'm telling you the truth. And this is just being a, a good disciple. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe every, some, everybody that stands up here. Prove it to yourself. 
Prove it to yourself. But here we turn to Ephesians 5. Remember, this is a revival center. And he's just got through praying for that they might know who they are. Look down at verse 22. And we, we hear this scripture so often at weddings. We hear this scripture so often when we're talking about marital counseling. And, and, but I want you to listen to this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife's wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we're members of the body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Look at verse 32. This mystery, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church or Jesus and his bride. It's a profound mystery. A mystery. Father, I ask God that you'd unpack this mystery. And that you would challenge us in this mystery of Christ in the church. Will we ask God that you would lay before us pictures to understand this this divine thing that you've been doing throughout all creation. The very thing that's deep and profound upon your heart in this very hour. I ask God that you would release it, that you'd give us a knowledge of really who you are. Give us a knowledge that you are the great bridegroom. In the name of Jesus. Now, in Matthew 22, Jesus gives his last public speech. And in that last public speech, he tells a parable. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. His last thing that was on his heart to speak to the public was about a wedding. He prepared a, a wedding for his son. We also can look that his not only was his ministry ending and speaking in the public about a wedding, his ministry began 
in a public way at a wedding. You know, Jesus likes weddings. <laughs> he really does. And you know, this mystery that I'm talking about it is a mystery of pictures that's been painted throughout history from the place of creation until the very end of the age. And it's the very essence of what's on the heart of the Lord. It's all about a wedding. How many likes weddings? I, I like weddings. I like doing weddings. Yeah, I have to, where's my sister? I have to do this during weddings. I'm sitting here. Oh, I'm trying to officiate. And I'm crying. Oh. But this is this mystery that we see in Ephesians is about a wedding. We had this subject concerning weddings or subject concerning the bride, subject concerning intimacy with the Lord is a, is a powerful, um, it's so powerful to talk about. Um, I, it's my, honestly, it's a subject that's the most fun I've ever had talking about the wedding. And I, I, I think I, I, the more I talk about it, the more I study, the more I teach it, the more I understand the mystery. The more I look at the surroundings of, of marriages, I begin understanding the passion that the Lord has in the place of a, of a marriage. And, uh, and it, it, to me, even as I, in my own marriage, I've been married 33 years. And, uh, and I, I still remember the hour that I laid eyes on my wife as she came down the aisle. And, uh, you know, and it was profound. <laughs> and I, and, I, and I, I, I remember sitting there just starstruck. Just. <gasps> and, and, and he was amazing. And, 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 you know, that was 33 years ago. And it's not changed. The, the aspect of somebody that can capture my attention is my wife. And when she has a yes in her heart unto the Lord, it's. Utterly amazing. I, I know uh, we, we just, like Christian said, we just got back from Ukraine. And Blendon went with me. And we went in some very difficult places, some very tough terrain. But my wife was such a trooper. And, and as she said yes, as she entered into these things, I, I, I kept, it's like love was just hitting me. Just in the very deep cores of my, my inner beings. I uh, there was one day we, we were actually flying home from Kiev and, and uh, we got up 4 o'clock in the morning to go and went through a snowstorm to get to the airport. And we're the only ones at the airport almost. And, and as we're there, all of a sudden, I, here comes Belinda. She's walking toward me and I'm going, <gasps> 4 o'clock in the morning. It must be love. And uh, But it's the way the Lord, Jesus, this mystery is how He looks upon you and I. It's the same way He looks with passion upon you 
And Paul, as, and, and, but he loves the yes in your spirit. And when we say yes unto him, something shifts in all of our hearts. And Jesus gets excited. I mean, listen, the Lord in the very beginning had a plan for a wedding at the very end. And Jesus is coming back for a bride that's, that's prepared for him. But this is all of history is about a wedding. And uh, I, I remember uh, a few years ago, actually, when Steve Bochamp and I w- was here, um, I had a um, I was staying in an apartment in the, in a, in the area. And uh, the final day I hear the uh, Lord, he says, I want you to go home. I want you to prepare Song of Solomon. And uh, he said, I want you to teach it. I said, OK. So I kind of. Didn't think nothing else about it. I get on the tarmac in San Fran. And I hear the Lord. I get an email. And on the email, it was a pastor here in Korea. And uh, and it was it was a lady pastor, one I really appreciate very much. And she said, Rodney. She said, I'm doing a mission conference next month. And the Lord has been prompting me to call you and see if you'll come and teach us on Song of Solomon. And, you know, immediately my heart said, yes, that's what the Lord was talking about. But then I, I took it to my, my, my boss, and, and we prayed about it, and, and it was that, yes, for that. And then I said, but I, want, I know the Lord is saying, the poor. And, uh, and the next day I get an invitation to India. And so the very first part, I fly in here, uh, do the Song of Solomon, and it was so crazy. 20 hours, line upon line, teaching in the Song of Solomon. And, and it was like, in the midst of it, God would just break in. I'd go, oh, and I'd sit here and just hold on to the pulpit as the Lord was ministering Song of Solomon. Because He loves us talking about His bride. And he loves this bridal paradigm of Jesus and his church. And he wants us to talk about it because it's on his heart. Because he's coming for a bride. And it's you and I. I mean, it's a shift in a lot of our uh, the way we think about things. For real. I mean, especially us guys. For us to think about ourselves as a bride. That's just, you know, it just really doesn't get it. I mean, I can't see myself in a wedding gown. But, but the reality, he says it about me, therefore I am. And, and there's an aspect here where, where we, as we posture ourselves, as we cleanse ourselves, as we prepare ourselves and enter into the truth of the reality that he's coming for a bride and there's a great wedding. And it's for you and I. And this is the reason. Jesus created us in the beginning because he wanted a partner that he could rule and reign with for eternity. I mean, he's, you know, we're, we're really engaged to him right now. I mean, the consummation will be upon his return. I mean, we don't really marry him in this age. There's me, I've, seen, I've seen many funny people that said well, their husband's is Jesus. No, 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 no. You may be engaged. We're all engaged to him. But he's not your husband right now. And, um, and, but the dynamic is he created us in the beginning. 
And in this mystery, he created us. And he, he says, I want you to rule and take dominion over the land. He said, I want you to, to, to rule with me. And, and, and from the very beginning, this was in the heart of the father to give unto his son a mate that would be equally yoked with him. Now, you and I are in the process of being equally yoked with the Lord. The pressures that you feel, the pain that you feel, the trials that you're in are a place of preparing you in this season to be equally yoked with the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine? With Him, us. Think about that. This is the mystery. How He, he, he loves us. We'll be equally yoked with Him. We'll rule and reign with Jesus for eternity. Now, not only does the biblical side points toward the bridal paradigm or points toward a wedding, but I want you to know that the Antichrist kingdom points also toward a wedding. Let me explain what I mean. I went into, I went from uh, that meeting here on Song of Solomon. I, I flew to India, was doing a conference there called Arise, and as I'm Doing the about to do the conference. I'm in Bangalore, going to do a conference in Mumbai, and in Bangalore, I'm I'm sitting in the, the in a, the mission house, trying to hear the, for the, what the Lord wanted me to do in Mumbai, and immediately I hear the Lord. He's, he says, "I want you to talk about my wedding. I want you to talk about my bride and my bridegroom." And, and I said, "Yes, Lord." That's perfect. I really want to do this. And, and so I, I literally, uh, uh, it was time for my cup of coffee. I had all my stuff laid outside. And, and, and so I go and take my instant Starbucks and, and, and go find hot water to make my Starbucks coffee for the morning. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, here comes one of the orphan children in this orphanage. And they come bringing my Bible. It was brand new at the time. And... It was torn all to pieces. The house dog had got a hold of my Bible. And, um, and uh, it was so, so crazy. And, uh, and uh, I started piecing. I was about crying. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, but in Isaiah, as I started putting it together, I looked at it. And, and the dog had tore out, tore out Isaiah 60, 61, and 62. Isaiah 60 is the name of the conference. Arise, my people. Okay? Isaiah 61 is the Father heart healing. Okay? So we have to go from the dynamics of rising up, receiving our healing in Isaiah 61, and then toward Isaiah 62, which is about the Lord delights over us. Our name is being changed. He delights over us. And then it says, I'm coming to wed you. I said, yes, Lord. And then the other part the dog tore out was Song of Solomon. It ripped Song of Solomon. I mean, look at my Bible. I kid you not, it's got dog stuff all over it. I mean, it's just, look at this. It's just kind of messed up. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I must say, this is either a demon dog or, or it, it's an angel dog. I'm not sure the difference. And, uh, 
And so I, I began, I was so pumped, and I, I go tell my friend that was running the orphanage what had taken place about these, this dog, and, and, uh, and, uh, and she said, Rodney, I don't think you want to preach in India about a wedding. She said, a wedding in India is not a happy occasion. I said, what? A wedding's always happy. And she said, no, 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 you got to understand Majority of the weddings in India are arranged marriages. And said so it's not normally the, the, the desire, the heart of the, uh, of those that's in the marriage to be married. He said, furthermore, once they're married, 70% of the men in the marriage beat and abuse the spouse. He says, nobody wants to be married here. She said, I've never seen, and I've been to many weddings, but, and there's always a party, but there's not, the, the, the husband, the husband and wife, there's not part, they're not partying. They're not excited about it. And, uh, and so I began pondering, how do you preach about a wedding? How do you preach about this glorious thing that the Lord is doing across the earth? And everybody hates it. And, uh, and, and I began looking at the systems that were in place in, in India and other parts of the world. And, uh, and uh, God, with, even though God has a deep desire to prepare His Son of May, the Antichrist is trying to do everything in His power to pervert what God has said is good. And um, uh, the, His bride really is in bondage in the nations. I want you to know this. I want you to think about it. And uh, the systems are in place to cause people to, uh, to hate marriage and the holy sanctity of, of, of the wedding of, of, of a man, one man and one woman. Everything is against it. And it's because there's God is raising up a great marriage at the very end of the age. And, and you have in these systems, you have human trafficking. I mean, it's bad on itself, but it's a mockery to the bridal paradigm. There's temple prostitutes in, in, in India, the children that's being raised up, and they're, 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 the place where they'll wind up will be in this place of prostitution. Pornography, rampant in the nations. I mean, it's a direct mockery against the bridal paradigm. Everything is in a place of trying to pervert the beautiful aspect of marriage. Even many of your families in your own homes where divorce has been rapid. You know, it's the enemy has tried to come in and say, this is not good. But God, he says, no, no, no. You got to understand it is good. And I'm a good bridegroom. You can trust me. And I'm coming back for my bride. Now, in Revelation 19, so we had in the beginning, God created us. And he created us for a wedding in Revelation 19. Revelation 19.6, it says, I heard the voice of a great multitude saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad, let us rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come in his wife. You and I, we've made ourselves ready 
To her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and brought. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. He said to me, right, blessed are those who are called to this marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, listen, the Father's arranged a, a marriage for you and I. How does that feel? How does it feel to be wounded by God? To be desired by God? I want you to know today, even as I'm speaking, some of you said, I'm not desired by God. No, you're desired by God. He, he loves you. He, he adores you. He delights over you. And he's coming back for you. Because he wants you to partner with him and to rule and reign with him. Now, I want to I want to show a picture. We can look through the Bible at many pictures. Old Testament, we got Adam and Eve. Okay? Old Testament, we got Rebecca. And we're going to talk about Rebecca here in just a moment. Old Testament, we got Ruth. In the Old Testament, we got Esther. In the Old Testament, we got Hosea. I mean, he married a prostitute just to demonstrate how far Israel had gone into the place of prostitution. All through the Bible, okay? It's all about a wedding. It's all about what Jesus has in store for his church at the end of the age. And I'm just, today, my heart is, I want to provoke you to discover these pictures that's in the Word, to discover the, the pictures that's in everyday life, that you would discover who you are and what's going to take place. And, you know, I want you to know this is going to be a glorious thing, and God calls it a great mystery. A great mystery. In Genesis 24, turn there. It tells two dramatic stories at the same time. One is the spiritual and the other is a natural story. The two stories, they overlap each other. And they, they intersect in certain specific places. The spiritual story here in Genesis 24 tells of a father's commitment to find a bride for his son. It is told symbolically in the natural story of Abraham. His commitment to find a bride for Isaac. The details in the natural story illuminates, brings to life, truths that are taught in the New Testament. Every detail does not correspond to truth. But some of the events in the Old Testament illustrates New Testament truths. Now, in this story, okay, Abraham is a picture of the heart of God, the Father heart. So I want you to remember that it's important as we read the story. This is the father heart, okay? He's filled with a zeal to provide a wife for his son. Isaac, in Scripture, or in this case, is a type of Christ. You can even remember when, when Abraham took Isaac up, up on a, uh, the mountainside to, 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 to sacrifice him. I mean, it was a father sacrificing the son. And so it, Isaac is a type of Christ. Even in, throughout the New Testament, in Galatians, and Hebrews, he's called the Christ. Paul's treatment of the Ishmael-Isaac story is referred as symbols, figurative and allegorical. Abraham had two sons. He was 
One of the bondservant, Ishmael, and was one was born, which was born of the flesh, and then one of the free woman, which was born of the spirit. And uh, we, 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 you know the story. We tried to offer him up, but Abraham's servant. There's another character here. Is Abraham's servant, and Abraham's servant is a type of Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit ministry. You'll see it functioning in this story. He's the only servant in the father's house who rules over all of the house. You'll see it in verse 2. It says, says that he's the only servant in the house that rules over the entire house. It, was a, it shows to be an elderly man. But it says he's entrusted with all of the father's goods. It's the Holy Spirit. So we have the Father, and we have the Son, and we got the Holy Spirit here. Now, Rebecca, she's a type of the church. She's a type of the bride, bride of Christ. She speaks to the bride as, uh, as wholeheartedly, as the bride wholeheartedly responds to the message. And as he, she wholeheartedly responds to the Spirit of the Lord. And, and she experiences great grace as she does so. Listen, that yes on your heart, when, the, when you respond to the Spirit of the Lord with that yes in your spirit, it, the Lord gets totally crazy about it. He just loves your yes. And um, the storyline, Jesus declared that the Father's plan was to arrange this wedding. Remember? Remember in, in Matthew 22? It's the same storyline. Same storyline. The Father sends his, his most trusted servant, the Holy Spirit, on a mission to prepare a bride for his son. Now, the bride must voluntarily and extravagantly respond to God during this journey through the wilderness unto the wedding. Natural history, remember, natural history ends with a celebration of the full success of the Father's glorious plan to have a bride for His Son. Are you with me here? I mean, this is, a, this is the great mystery. It is the mystery that we're talking about. Even the angels desire to understand this mystery. And I want you to know, even as I'm speaking about it, I don't understand it. I'm getting pieces of it. I mean, parts of it are hitting me. I'm going, oh, this is great. And I'm saying, no, that's a mystery. I don't understand it. <laughs> so if you don't understand this, you won't. But take what you do understand and then go to the Word and, and allow everything, to this mystery to be unveiled. Pray Ephesians 1. The voice, this is not a story of how the bride becomes, a saved, becomes saved. So often I've heard it taught that this is an issue of salvation. And it can be, but really it's not. It's about a bridal paradigm. But it's a, how, uh, the real message here is, is how the grace strengthens her to live wholeheartedly in this bridal ideal. She enters the story. One already in the faith of Abraham. We see her journey to walk out her wholeheartedness. This is a story of how to live abandoned unto God. 
not to receive forgiveness for sins. This is about us being abandoned before Him. Now, look at verse 2. Let's just kind of go through it. I don't have a lot of time to go through, but I want to let you look at enough of this to that you'll go back at a later time. Verse 2, chapter 24. Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled, there it is, he ruled over all the land, all that he had. I will make you swear. You shall go to my country, go back to Babylon, what he's saying, and my family, and take a wife for my son. Now here we have a servant who, in that passage, there's a servant who ruled over all. He sent his elder servant who ruled over everything. It's the Holy Spirit. And he says, go take a wife for my son. The Spirit's mandate is to prepare an equally yoked bride for Jesus. Jesus declared the Father's great plan in arranging a wedding. He says, swear to me that you'll do this. And the servant makes a Solomon, a, a, a Solomon oath to complete Abraham's plan. To make a, take a wife for his son. And he said, you shall go. And you don't bring her, you got to bring her back, but she has to come back in a volunteer way. Listen, the Lord wants volunteer love, not mandated love. Mandated love is not real love. But there's a place where this one, that he, when you go get this one in the foreign land and bring her back, it has to be in a volunteer basis. So the Holy Spirit here, or the servant, says, yes, I'll do this. He commits. Look at verse 5. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take her, your son back to that land? He said, No, don't do that. He said, Go. The angels of the Lord will be with you. I'll prepare her. You'll know. So he, and, uh, so he has to be willing. The angels will be there. And, uh, and he says, I'll give, uh, tell them that I've given Abraham, I've given Isaac all these riches. Tell them what's gone on here. And uh, so he, he goes back. And uh, let's look on. So he goes to the city of Nahor. And it's about a two-week journey from Abraham's home to Hebron to Nahor. He says it takes ten camels and all the Abraham's goods. I mean, he took all of his house. I mean, he took everything to, to give for this bride. Listen, Jesus, when the Father sent Jesus, he gave it all for us. He speaks of the riches of God's grace, the gifts of the Spirit. And, and then he goes, to, he goes to the well of water. You know, the salvation story throughout the scriptures is often told in relation to wells of water. Here the Spirit encounters us in the place of our thirst as we seek more of Him. We also see the servant here in a place of prayer in verse 12. It's the importance of prayer, the importance of intimacy and calling upon God opens the door that he might find the right one. And he said, he, then he asked, he says, he said, I have, he's putting a fleece before God. He said, I want to know I found the right one. And he gives two ways. The first way, first sign was a re- extravagant response. 
He says, and also make sure it's a part of Abraham's family. So he had two fleeces as he's going out searching for a wife for his son. So look at look at verse 15. So he goes, goes into the land. He said, it happened before he had finished speaking. That behold, Rebekah, who was born in Bethu, son of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pictures on her shoulders. Now the young woman was very beautiful, behold a virgin. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. She quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And then she she said, I, I will draw water for your camels also. She quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough ran back to the well and drew for all the camels. And the, the, the man wondered at her, and he remained silent. You know, this one, not only did she answer the first part, not only did she draw water to give to, to this servant, but she says, I will go another, even farther, I will give to all your camels. And the servant only asked for a little response. But she gave a, an extravagant response. Here we see the heart of the bride as God had really intended it us to be. The Spirit is looking for an extravagant response from us. You know, you guys are extravagant. But the Lord is looking for an extravagant response. When the, when the Spirit of God, here's the key, when the Spirit of God Ask for a small response from you and I. He's given us the opportunity to give an extravagant response. The heart of the bride goes far beyond the call of duty. You know, in the church, we so often find in the church, we, we say, well, what do we have to do to be saved? Or, or what do we have to do to get by? Or what can we what we can what can we do to get away with stuff? But the bride doesn't ask that question. You know, so often, well, how far do I go? Can I go without being in sin? You know that question. I've had so many people. Well, if I do this, is that sin? Well, if you have to ask it, it is. And, and, and it's, but so often we're, 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 we're trying to see what we can get away with. But this one, she's not doing that. She's saying, oh, let me, let me take me water your camels also. Now, here's a note about camels. A quick note. Camels can drink up to 50 gallons in one setting. Okay? Ten camels... We require 500 gallons. Can you see this little Rebecca trying to bring 500 gallons of water? She moved 4,000 pounds of water between the well and the water trough. And she took 10 gallons per five minutes a trip. It would have taken five hours. Well, this is no small detail. But she says, do you want a drink of water? Yes. I'll drink. I'll, I'll give your camels also. Extravagant. Extravagant. God's called us to be a people of extravagance. 
We're beautiful to God. Just like this one was beautiful to this, to, to this servant. He saw the beauty of her. She says she's a virgin. You know, all, all of us, okay? I want you to hear this. Please hear this. All believers stand before God as a virgin because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. His righteousness. The gift of righteousness makes each believer a pure virgin. Come on. It says that the servant ran to her. Illustrating the Spirit's zeal. The Holy Spirit has zeal for his bride. The Holy Spirit ran. This man ran to help. It was perseverance. A wholeheartedness is necessary in each and every one of us. It says here that... uh, after he, she said this, he says, okay, how can, can I, do you have a place for me to stay in your home? Now, the, the bottom line, when, the spirit, when you answer yes to the Holy Spirit, he asks for more. <laughs> okay, in this story, and I, I know I don't have much time here, but, but I want you to go to the story, but what was taking place, he gave a little, she responds a little, he says, what about your house? Can I come and stay? And she says, yes, I got plenty. And so there was this, there was a dynamic of her continually saying yes. And the spirit was continuing upping everything. And she says, yes, yes. And, and then he gives, he gives to her bracelets and nose rings. And, 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 and there was this continual yes. So he goes into, to, uh, she goes and tells her family. And it says that she, as she goes in and tells the family that uh, the, the, she has a brother. And this brother runs out and meets the servant. Now, the first time I, I read that, I thought he was going to go check the guy out to see if he's legit. And, uh, but as I read more into it, he runs out because he's wanting blessings too. As you and I tell about the blessings of God to others, they'll run unto the Lord and says, what about my blessing? I really did. I, I thought initially he was really going to check it out. I mean, every big brother goes, checks out anybody that's paying attention to a little sister. <laughs> I was telling these guys last night that my, my, youngest, uh, my youngest is 18 and she, um, uh, she's got some guys that's just kind of knocking at the door. And, uh, and, uh, but my, I got sons, I got two sons <laughs> and, uh, and they're, they're just, they're, they're watching. She says, I've got it under control. So she only has coffee with anybody that's interested in, and one guy actually got to take her to a movie. Okay. And, uh, but when he comes in, when he brings her home, he doesn't get out of the car and open the door. My son was watching. <laughs> Young men, pay attention. You better open the door. You better be what God called you to be a man. Anyway, this and he was totally punted. 
Sean, Sean, my son, he says, well, he doesn't stand a chance no more. He didn't open the door and honor my sister. But in this case, he's not, he's not checking the guy out. That's just a side note. Some of you guys need to get married. And you need to know how to open doors. I still open the door. That's the reason I'm married 33 years. Belinda likes it. Whatever Belinda likes. <laughs> anyway, he really goes in a place of offering himself, saying, what about me? I want blessings also. And as you, as you speak, as you declare what God has done in your life, people are going to say, what about me? I want that. Just like your testimony today. People are saying, no, I want that. As you give your testimony, they want that. They want to meet the bridegroom. They want to meet the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, but then the other side is, this guy, he says, oh, you have room in our house. Come, we'll feed your camels. He's saying, we want the Holy Spirit. When the testimony of the goodness and the grace of God runs forth, Oh, they invite the Holy Spirit. We want Holy Spirit. And then it says that the servant, the Holy Spirit here, worship the Lord. And uh, I want you to just read it. But then the bottom line, they prepared a meal to sit down and eat. And uh, this, uh, before he sat down, he said, no, I must tell you what's going on. I'm here for Rebecca. I'm here to take her back because my my master, Abraham, the brother, the brother of your father, has actually sent me here to get a wife. And and he tells the story at the well of what took place at the well of of, that she was not only this was the fleece and she met the fleece And, and all these dynamics. She's the one. He said, can I have her? Can we take her back for for Isaac? And uh, and uh, and they said, "Yes, we think this is great, awesome." And uh, and they, and he said, and he starts to sit down, and they said, "Wait a little bit." He said, "No, no, I don't want to wait. I want you to. I want her to go with me now to complete my mission." And they said, "But we want her to make a decision." He says, "Will you let her make the decision, either to go with me now or later?" And she comes up. She says, "Now." I'm ready now. Listen, the bride is ready. And the issue that's upon you and I is our responses in this hour. God, the Holy Spirit is looking for a response that will be made ready, that will prepare ourselves to be his bride for eternity, to rule and reign with him. This is the heart of God. This is the mystery. And I butchered it so bad. But I hope you capture just a little bit of the mystery that's on the heart of God in this hour. 
I mean, he, he has deep desire for you. This is where we're going. Allow the Lord to work a good work in your heart. Allow those things, those places of meekness to respond in Holy Spirit way. Don't respond in the anger way, but allow that preparation. Open your heart with a yes in your spirit unto God. I made a statement at the prayer meeting today. And uh, one of our leaders uh, received a word from God a couple of years ago. And it was this. It says, for those without mixture, the Holy Spirit will come without measure. Listen, we, we need to be endure the trials, endure what God wants, and we need to make that movement unto Him. He's waiting on you. He loves the yes in your spirit. I love the yes in this house. But you individually have to continually do this yes thing and, and, and invite Holy Spirit more and more. Listen, we're all growing up. For real, we're growing up. We're in, we, I don't think in this life we ever attain a place of full maturity. But I'm growing up. We need to grow up together. And as we grow up together, it pleases the heart of the Lord so much. There's a, I'll complete with this story. It's actually out of Song of Solomon. And if you, if you have me really into Song of Solomon, come, nobody. Oh, guys, come on. It's one of the best books in the Bible. You just can't allow, you can't, Christian, a male and a woman that's not married can't read it together. <laughs> Something happens in the spirit world. <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> now, if you're married, read it. You'll enjoy it. You know, but, but in the Song of Solomon, it's a whole picture of the bride moving into the place of maturity. With the place of yes and, and how the Lord leads her from the place of, of a place of intimacy into the place of maturity. And but she says in the very beginning, she prays a prayer in, in, in Song of Solomon 1, chapter 2, 3. Let him, let, let, let the Lord, she's praying to the Father, let him kiss me with the kisses of his lips. Then she says, then she speaks to Jesus, draw me away and let us run together. And so there's the, it, that's the whole the, the whole book is based on those two lines. He draws her into the place of intimacy. Then the, all of a sudden he moves out. And he, there's a picture of Jesus on the mountaintops running and leaping freely. And he says, come with me. And she says, no, I like intimacy. And he says, no, I want you up here with me, running with me. And, and so... She goes to these different areas. The Lord pulls back when she says no. And he, he, he kind of disciplines her. And, and finally she runs out. I'll do whatever. I just want to be with you. And, uh, but then after two times of this pulling back. And you know the Lord does pull back. 
when you when the Lord pulls back, it's normally because He wants you to yearn more for Him, or He pulls back because of discipline. Not to not to beat you up, but just that you want Him more. To realize that won't. But anyway, we find this passage. She goes through the process. And, it, and, and, and she comes to this one point where she's fully said yes. And she's moving toward the place of maturity, of fervency toward the Lord. And, and, and he's looking at her. And he says, oh, turn your eyes from me, woman. He says, for one glance of your eyes, overwhelm me. I want you to hear that. One glance of your eye before your Jesus with that fervency and the yes in your spirit overwhelms God. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He's paying attention to everything you're doing. That yes, can you imagine overwhelming God? Can you imagine that? I mean, nothing in all of history overwhelms God. But there's no army or nothing in history that can overcome God. I mean, he's, he's unreal. No, he's so real. But... but But the reality is, one glance of his bride in love with him touches his heart and overwhelms him. I'm I'm convinced he's doing this. (laughs) Just weeping. Just weeping with passion. I think this morning or this afternoon, the Lord just wants you. He wants two things. First, he wants to challenge you to be a good Berean and search out whether I'm telling you the truth. That there is a great wedding and everything is in the place of preparation. He wants you to know this, but he wants you to know it for yourself. Second, I believe he wants some in here today, maybe all of you, to reaffirm that yes. Holy Spirit, take over. Come to my home. Holy Spirit, come and eat. I want more. Holy Spirit, take over. Remove the mixture that's inside of me that hinders love. Remove everything in my life that hinders this love. Are you willing today to give everything that hinders love. Can we have the worship team back up? Will you stand with me? want to invite you just put your hands before the Lord 
just begin talking to him, sharing, sharing the things that, that you consider that might hinder love. all through the room bring revelation to it bring revelation to the knowledge of who you really are all through the room Lord even as we confess as we say yes remove the things that hinders love even good things even good things remove the good things that hinder this place of Intimacy with you. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Lord, we're serious about this. We're serious about... Preparing ourselves to be equally yoked with you for all of eternity. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us grace. Touch us, Lord. Lord, I ask that in the name of Jesus, that if any area in our lives that we're agreeing with the enemy in this place of mocking the bridal paradigm, God, I ask that you would remove this. Give us grace. Lord, if there's pornography in the house, if there's dynamics of things that's agreeing with the anti-Christ kingdom to defame and mock the your plans of the things on your heart, God, I ask that you that you'd remove this thing from us. That you'd you'd pull that thorn, that that place of that thing that's latched upon us. The place of human bondage, God. Would you break our agreement with that? Even in our our marriages, our relationships. God, I ask God for you'd bring a beautiful picture of your divine mystery. Lord, I ask you to break in. Release a grace that's beyond our comprehension. And I ask God for a revelation of this mystery to be unpacked layer upon layer in our hearts and our lives. As we say yes and yes, we want more, Lord. We want more. We do, Lord. We do. We really do. We want more. Well, we're not playing games. We 
We know this isn't a game. This is about eternity. about us. You know, I know this house and I, I also know that in this house that there's many of you that has a deep yearning for a mate and yet that deep yearning that's in your heart for somebody to come along with you equally yoked for you for in this lifespan I want you to know that's the passion a deeper passion that the Lord has for the same yearning for you he's yearning Like you're yearning to be married. He's yearning in this hour with a deep desire in his heart for his bride, for you. I I believe that some of you, even in this hour, this is a key message for many of you, even in your approach to your own marriage in this life. That the Lord has held back that mate the Lord has held it back because he desires for you to feel the deep desire on his heart for you he said how you're feeling with deep desire in you for a mate is the same way that I feel about you and so Lord I, I pray that you would increase this yearning I pray that you would touch each one. And that they yearn for you the way you yearn for them. It's your desire. That this desire for, for Jesus increase and increase. But Lord, I also ask that you would give them a mate. Those that's yearning now. Those that's weeping with deep desire for the right one. God, would you give them one equally yoked for them? Just all through the room. Listen, it doesn't matter how old you are. Some of you feel like I'm too old. But I just ask, Lord, I ask that you would bring a mate in the name of Jesus. A godly mate. One to run. One to enjoy. But one to paint a picture. Together. Concerning this bridal paradigm. Would you do it Lord? Would you do it? Would you do it? God release desire. Desire in this house. In the name of Jesus. Lord I bless. Bless this house.